Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 182. And we're going to make this a Whitecaps TFC postgame show. So we're going to relive every single minute of it, I think. How, how does that sound, Steve? Yeah, that sounds good. By the way, my name is Steve Pander. And I'm Michael McCall, and we're not joined by Zach this week. Unfortunately, he's on his travels somewhere into the interior, and by interior, I actually do mean the in- interior this yeah. time. Um, but yeah, it was a rough one for sure. It's certainly not the the greatest time to to be a White Cats fan, and you feel bad saying that because we're only a couple of weeks into the season already. I don't know about you, I feel I need a break. Uh, which is just as well, because there is one coming up. But I think if you're three weeks in and you already feel that you need a break from the team, not a good sign. Yeah, if they were playing um, if they were playing decently and then still losing the games, then I could understand. But uh, it's just one thing after another and nothing's really going right for the team. And I think the frustration is really showing um, by the players, by the coaches, by the fans especially. Uh, Twitter was just on fire yesterday after the sh- after the game itself. Yeah, but we'll come to that later on the show. We've got a lot of tweets to get through, and people can tweet us during the show at AFT in Canada. We'd thought about opening the phone lines up tonight, but that might just be a, a big disaster. So, oh, CRTC rules might get us off the air. <laughs> yeah, we've made it a month so far, so yeah. I mean that, that's that's pretty good. But yeah, I mean Twitter went nuts after the game. I went down to the, the we both went down to, to the post-game press conferences of Toronto and Vancouver. And when I came up, the time that I had kind of got through all my post-game stuff, there was something like over 60 Twitter notifications for me, which I didn't have time to read because I was working on things. I then went to watch a VMSL semi-final up at Empire, which was way more enjoyable than the Whitecats game I just watched. And then by the time I got home, it was like over 80 Twitter notifications. So it took a while to get through. One way of looking at that is at least it shows that the fans are caring. Oh, for sure. Uh, whether, I guess, it's probably a negative way this this week, for sure. And we've got a lot to get through tonight. We're, we're going to talk about all the, all the happenings from the game, the good, the bad, the ugly. 
I, I think that was good, but we'll, we'll come to that. Anyway. I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm hard pressed to find any good. Uh, that, that's Especially dis- yesterday. That's disappointing because I had a new Maybe segment. 15 minutes. Maybe 15 minutes ago in the second <laughs> half, but that's about it. I had a new segment lined up, which I hadn't told you about yet. So that might not be too good then if you can't think of any positives. But okay. yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that in a sec. What we're going to do, because we're going to talk about a lot of Whitecap stuff to start with, I thought it's probably just as well to play a little bit of audio from Carl Robinson, just kind of covering what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some of the things that Robbo said and some of the things that were discussed there. So some of you might have already heard this on the Whitecaps website, but for for those of you that didn't, um, we'll play a little bit, three, four minutes of Robbo from the post-game press conference, just covering some of the things we're about to talk about. So let's just kick things off now with a little bit of Robbo. much was a Breck Shea sending off a turning point and were you surprised to see him shooting his mouth off? <laughs> well, it was a turning point because the game was uh, pretty even. It played out exactly as I thought it would. would. Um, not much action in the first half and then second half, you know, we tried to get into the troops a little bit to have an impact and play on our front foot and we did. Uh, for 20 plus minutes, we were trying to, you know, uh, engineer the game and trying to get that goal. Then, obviously, Breck sending off out of nowhere it totally affects it, and we don't react, um, we don't respond, uh, and we give away a goal. And the first goal was always going to win the game. So, um, disappointing. Uh, I don't know why at the moment. Um, he actually uh, gave him the second yellow card, but I uh, will get to the bottom of it. It looked like he got it from mouth and off. He, yeah. he definitely uttered something to the referee, which is then why he gave it. But yeah. we've talked about lack of discipline before. Yeah. What do you need to do to tell the guys just to keep their head out there? Because they're not yeah. listening. Yeah, well, listen, what I know that he's... Listen, I don't condone lack of discipline 100%. We won't do at uh, this football club, me as a manager. But what he actually told me he said, and I generally 100% believe my player goes on every single minute of the game. So it's it, it's a fine line and it's a little can of worms. But if he said it, uh, which he said he to me he did, I used to say it every single game, 10 times. So you, what you got to do is, if you do that and you send him off, no problem, we'll respectfully take it, but you got to do it for every player. That didn't happen. Michael Bradley's word count was a lot longer with the officials. Um, is that the story we talk about? Some people have a lot of rope, and Breck may have said two words, and that was it. I think we all see the game, don't we? I said, you know, I'm not here to make comments or whatever. My team needs to be better. But as I said there to Michael, that what's really important is if you're going to make key decisions at key moments, and it's the same across the board. Um, obviously, watching today's game, that might not be the case. Uh, Carl, um, one point from your first three games and only one shot on target today from seven attempts. Yeah. What do you need to do to start getting the firepower? Because uh, yeah. it's, you've not had a good start to the season and you now need to start trying to turn things around quickly. Yeah, no, we need to hit the target more uh, to have those chances. I think probably the last uh, kick of the game with Eric went through one-on-one, summed us up a little bit. But just got to get back to work and practice. We'll We'll have a couple of days off now after the heavy travel we've had and um, we'll just get back to work that's all you can do you know we ne- know we need to be better individually and collectively but up until the two goals uh, the first goal from Toronto uh, we were quite confident in the game And but 
obviously the first goal changes everything. So we know we need to be better. The first three games of we've done some okay things um, other things we need to improve on so we'll just have to get back to work the lack of creativity in the middle of the park yeah. definitely has hurt you this season so far are you happy with your squad as it is just now or do you feel you maybe need to make some changes going into the, the April and before the transfer window closes yeah we, we, we're looking at things all the time and you know, I'd be lying if I said that uh, I didn't want to bring anyone in because I, I would like to strengthen in certain areas but um, there's a process with that so we'll evaluate it over the next two weeks because there are one or two areas that I would like to strengthen and bring some some freshness into it I think the lack of creativity you talk about I think when Christian come on at half time he was excellent for us and when we get him back up to speed he'll go away with Costa Rica now and get some more fitness he will help us um, but as you said there we're always looking So Carl Robinson there talking yesterday about all the, the stuff that came out of the game. And the first thing I guess we have to talk about is the Debrexie sending off. And before we get too much into that, I just want to say we're not going to make that the main narrative for the game. I feel that's important to to not deflect from the big, big issues that are affecting the team right now. But we do have to talk about it. Yeah, we definitely it was it was it was essentially the turning point of the game. Yeah, I mean, considering you, you, it was heading towards a, a zero zero draw. You, you can argue that it was the turning point. So yeah. it definitely was that. I think I could argue though that it was heading towards a zero zero draw, because the impact that we saw Vasquez having when he came on, yeah, makes you think he was a guy that could have had an impact no matter whether we had 11 guys on the pitch or 10. True, it's a possibility, but you can tell because the TFC, they, when they uh, when Vancouver went a man down, they essentially took off one of their centre backs, one of their three centre backs, and stuck, uh, stuck on an attacking player in Raheem Edwards. And he was crucial in that opening goal. So, looking at Shea then for a minute. Second piece of stupidity for him in a week. He did the dive in Tigris, sent off for something really stupid. I mean, it's those kind of sending offs that as a coach, I mean, something like that can cost a coach's job. Yeah. But that's something that we'll, we'll come to later in the show. But that kind of stupidity from a veteran, really. Yeah. From a guy that's well-traveled and international. He's played over in the UK. He should know better. And he knew exactly what he was doing. All the players were warned pre-season that the referees were clamping down on descent he clearly dissented. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure they even showed videos of what even like not even uh, verbal, but like gestures and stuff like that. Not what not to do in order to earn a yellow card. So I think they they probably showed a lot of things. And even even if the, he did use some profanity, there's ways to do it. Like if he had said "f off," maybe uh, uh, maybe that would have been different. But he said "f you," which was directed directly toward the ref. Yeah. So there was some. Debate, but it's kind of been confirmed by people that talk to Breck what he said. He definitely said F you to the ref. Yeah, and it looked like the ref kind of gave him a chance to apologize. Yeah. And then he mouthed something else to him. Okay. Um, it it kind of looked like it was a, a situation of, did you really just say that? And yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, I said that to you. Yeah. It's like, okay, then, buddy, you're off. Yeah, exactly. And and, and there's no reason, even the, the initial yellow card, it was a clear, horrible tackle. And I'm sure he had done fouls uh, over uh, over the you know 75 minutes or whatever he was on the pitch, 
So that that tackle w- did warrant a yellow card. It was cynical. Oh yeah, and he was lucky actually not to have got booked before that. Yeah. And I can't remember who it was was going through, and it was another clumsy, lazy tackle that he did. Yeah. But I mean, Robbo said afterwards that it's something that he said oh, ten times in a game or whatever. If what Breck Shea told him he said was what he said, I don't think Breck Shea told Robbo exactly what he said. It, it seems like it from the press conference. Yeah, because. I mean, Robbo's defending him, saying, oh, I've said that all the time. If you tell a referee to F you, you, yeah. you know you're getting another Yeah, because that's, that's a direct yeah. verbal assault on him, I, not just like a kind of a, a you yeah. know, F off or something yeah, like that. Yeah, or just a general F ball. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what Robbo says next week about that because I don't think he was possibly given all, all the, the information. And the, the big talking point last night on Twitter was the fact, and it kind of stemmed out of something that that Robbo said. As you heard there, he was asked about Michael Bradley and do some players get a longer rope with referees, designated players, American internationals, although she is a a designated player. And American 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 international, yeah. But like the big name players, he's he's not really a a big name guy. Bradley's kind of one of the poster boys of the national team, of TFC, of of the league in general. He might look like the the screen painting, but... (laughs) He, he is a, a proper player. And after, I mean, towards the end of the game, there was a little bit of an altercation, um, which Laba was going around just putting himself about. As, Laba as essentially Laba kicked out at his yeah. calves. And, and afterwards, after we were uh, in the press room and uh, Bradley was walking from the locker room to the other side to catch the bus, there was a significant limp uh, that he was walking with. Good. So he just didn't kick him hard. Enough. Yeah, he could still walk. So he go. still could walk, but he could, yeah, he had the significant limp there. And when he did his uh, interview in the dressing room, he was sitting in a sitting down position, so he wasn't walking around too much. I mean, it's something Laba does all the time. Which if and Bradley got, mentioned that too. Yeah, if yeah. we've got time, we'll play a little bit from Michael Bradley later on. But with that altercation, Bradley got booked for it. Yeah, Kendall got involved. Lots of pushing and it was handbags basically. There's only one booking came out of it, which was Bradley. But then he hounded the referee afterwards for a a good 30 seconds to a minute, chirping away, chirping away. But he is the captain. Yeah. And And there's possibly a difference that it didn't look like it was swearing at. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, folk are saying it's one rule for one, one rule for the other. That's basically what Robo was kind of saying. But, I mean, all of this... That, that, that was the story that MLS wanted me to write after the game from the Vancouver side was how Shea's sending off turned the game. Yeah. But, as I said, that should not take away from the important narrative and that narrative, the proper, correct narrative from the game, it was another terrible performance by the Whitecaps. One shot on goal in a home match. Second home match in a row where they've managed just one shot on target. So you've had two home games, two shots on target. They haven't served up entertaining play. Yeah. They haven't scored a goal. They've apparently got a smoke machine behind one of the goals now for when, when they score. It hasn't so been that, used yet. No. So, I mean, <laughs> environmentally friendly, the, the caps are very green, so that's going to get a lot of folk on their side. But Like the first, like you were talking about, the, for the first half, the, their best chance was uh, Freddie Montero diving in front of the keeper yeah. And just slamming off his butt. And, so, I mean, it wasn't and, even a shot. Yeah, and it went wide. And then the second, the, their only shot on target in the second half was Russell Tybert uh, from outside the box. 
I think maybe 30 yards out or something like that. And Bono just basically, uh, Bono or Bono, whatever, uh, uh, basically just, just gathered it up. It wasn't that hard of a shot for him. So not, no pressure at all on the keeper yeah. at his first start this year. And talking of Bono, Eric Hurtado threw one-on-one with Bono, but Hurtado just hasn't found what he's looking for. He still hasn't found it. No, that, that, that ball went to Joshua Tree. Yeah, I think it went back to Dublin the way that he, he hit it. it. It was just an overall terrible performance. And there's a lot of things to look at as to exactly what went wrong with it. You look at the lineup that went out, and there's not really a lot I don't think that you would have argued about with it. I mean, Spencer Ritchie or Paolo Tornaghi, Ritchie is getting... Oh, Ritchie was not the issue yeah, yesterday, for sure. Ritchie's getting... He's highly thought of. Yeah. And I think he is better thought of than Paolo right now in the goalkeeping ranks. So that wasn't a problem. But if you look at the rest of the team, and if you were penciling in from the available players that were going to go out there, that's pretty much, I think, your strongest team that you would have put out if Bolaños wasn't 100% fit to start, which by the sounds of it, he wasn't. No, and that's true. Uh, I think um, the the one possible error they might have done was the, uh, and this is probably how I said, we were looking going into the game, you're probably going, it's probably a correct decision. But Alfonso Davies, after playing quite a few minutes in Mexico um, against Tigris, uh, maybe he was, there would have been a better option to start somebody else in that position. But I think uh, the only other person they would have started was Kakuda. And I think uh, uh, Robbo really wanted to send a message to him based on his performance the week before in San Jose. So maybe they, he wanted some uh, um, defensive responsibility from Davies. But in that first half, Davies had no space whatsoever. And I think uh, near the end of the first half, he started actually drifting towards the center. And Mosquito would go on to that right side to get away from that mark. Because I think it was Betashore mostly that had him. And Betashore uh, uh, tracked him down big time. Yeah, and the, I mean, you're talking about Manny, and I think there was a message sent, and if Bolaños wasn't good to start, you, you go with Davies. But Robo did say afterwards that he felt that he said he was going back and forward as to whether to play him. Yeah. He wasn't sure that he was going to be like completely fit to go, and he was tired, so that's why he took him off at halftime. The game changed, though, when Bola came on. Oh, for sure. That that like we, like I said earlier, that was probably the best part of the game, the 15 minutes or so. Or 20 minutes, yeah. But then you go a man down, you go a goal down from a difference maker, yeah. which the, the Whitecaps seem to be Lack. severely lacking. Yeah. So what, what does Robbo do? He brings on... Actually, I think he brought them on just before the goal, but he, you bring on two speedsters, Kikuta Mani, Eric Hurtado. One of them can't defend and you're already down a man, one of them very seldomly finds a target. I just don't think that was the right subs to bring on at that point. But what other options do you have off the bench? There's not much there. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you could have looked at, like, trying to just solidify it by bringing Jacobson on. You, you... I know, but even Jacobson, we're already starving for creativity. We're already starving for creativity in the going forward. Jacobson would have stifled it even more. There was nothing really to do at that point, and and I think I I don't have a problem with Kakuta and her air coming on at that point, especially with Montero not being at full health. Another big thing to look at is position stats, and looking at it for the season, at no point this season have the Whitecaps in their four games, and I'm including Tigris in this. I haven't. Looked, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you want to include Tigris. That wasn't that we knew going in it was going to be like eighty twenty. All right, or well, right. Let's look at the three MLS. The San Jose there. one was surprising. Yeah, you've got. Yesterday against TFC, 42.1% possession. Home game. Home game. 
Philly, 45.6% possession. Home opener. San Jose, where you score two goals in the opening 20 minutes. Yes, you then go down a man. 22.2%. That, that's unbelievable, that one right there. I mean, even, what, even down a man. Yeah. For, the first 20 minutes obviously got the Whitecaps most of their possession. But, I mean, to go down a man, the, the one thing you want to do in an away game or any game when you go down a man is get the ball up the other end of the pitch and you want to kind of kill the time, kill the game, take it to corner flags, slow the pace down. You don't want to be giving the other team a ton of possession. And that's what the Whitecaps are doing over and over. Looking at it from a home game perspective, teams are meant to be more attacking at home. Teams are meant to go for it. And it's something which Greg Vanny talks about a little bit later on, and we're going to play some Vanny audio for you. He talks about how on the road you want to play it tight. You then want to frustrate the, the home side and try and keep a clean sheet. Yeah. Toronto did that perfectly yesterday. But he said then when you're at home, you want to go out, you want to entertain, you want to play free-flowing soccer. Yeah. Whitecaps are far from playing free-flowing soccer. And I know something which was irritating a lot of people from various tweets that we got was the fact that so many times the Caps are starting an attack and then going backwards. They're passing backwards. And you were mentioning that Tim Parker was doing the same, that same move yeah. every time he had the ball. It, it was it, back to the keeper or back to Waston. It's something... He's done it a lot. I just really, really noticed it yesterday. It just kind of started to irritate me a bit yesterday. He would get the ball in his own half, no one around him. And as soon as he gets the ball, he turns around. There's like no intention of playing that ball forward. Yeah. And there was a, a time yesterday early on when Spencer Ritchie had the ball and it was going to be a goal kick and you had Parker on the left, Waston on the right, wanting it kind of played to them so it would be a slow build up for the back. And he's like, no, 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 get forward. I'm going to yeah. kick it up. You're at home. You're meant to play attacking football. You're wanting to get the crowds in. You're wanting to entertain them. You can't... You, you haven't sold out your home opener for the first time. It's a Canadian derby. You can't even sell that out. You're playing really crap football. What is the incentive to get these fans bums on the seats? Because right now it's none. And the thing is, is if you... And it was, I think, uh, 15, 14 minutes to go when they scored. Um, and as soon as that first goal went in... And it was it's a Saturday afternoon game. It's not like a Saturday night game, not a weekday night game. People started walking out as soon as that first goal went in. Oh, you can't blame them. And and the thing is, uh, talking about what you were uh, about the back four and, and the and the holding midfielders, in fact, too. A um, couple of tweets we got just you know half an hour before the show started. Uh, Jay Humphreys at LWO04 said, uh, "Reliance on a back six, incapable of transitioning possession into attack." Without hoofing it away, that's something he would like. He, the, the the Whitecaps desperately need, and uh, Brenton Walters at Caps Offside said, "Any deep player capable or comfortable of holding the ball with a tad bit of vision." And I think those are, that's essentially what you were talking about there. You need something going forward. Um, forget the back four. The two holding midfielders were doing very little of that. They were just basically uh, chasing the ball all day long. And I'm I'm gonna give you some. Uh, was working on an article which I was I meant to bring out before the season started, just ran out of time. And it's something which I'm going to work on this week and bring out to you. But I, I was looking at, since the Whitecaps joined MLS, yep. all the results for every team home form. And the Whitecaps are right down the table. The Whitecaps, not including the two games from this season, five seasons in, 
102 home games. They've won 47 of them. 46% win record. And it puts them below so many clubs. Like New England's above them. Columbus is above them. Houston's above them. All the teams you'd expect to be above them because they go far in the playoffs. It's You're not going to be a playoff team. You're not going to do well if you're not even winning 50% of your home games and playing the way the Whitecaps have been playing, you're not going to win home games. And that's under a number of different coaches too. It's not, you just can't blame it on one coach or one style of play. It's, it's, it's a consistent thing throughout the, the years they've been since uh, they've been in MLS. Um, it's disappointing to see, definitely. Um, one thing also, uh, one thing I, I found out today too is, uh, the, the, uh, and it's a kind of a sad thing too if you think of it, this is the six-year anniversary of their opening day game against TFC in 2011. And it seems like they have, despite having a lot more talent in the in the game uh, in the in, on the team, it didn't seem like they have progressed at all since then. And that's a very telling tale for this this organization. So we had run a couple of Twitter polls tonight just before we head on to the show. So I just want to kind of look over each of those with you. It's only been going for like four hours, but I was kind of stunned that we'd already had two hundred and sixty-seven votes. So yeah. that's pretty impressive. So the, the first question that I asked, and and this one. This one's had 208 votes. So we asked the listeners, the readers, or Twitter followers, who do you primarily blame for the Whitecaps' poor start to the season? Robo and his tactics? Front office's lack of spending? Players playing poorly? Or all of them equally? So the number one just now is all of them equally. Yeah. That's 43%. Followed by Robo and his tactics at 27 the front office's lack of spending at 21 and the players playing poorly only at 10%, which I'm a little bit surprised by. But if if I were to rank the three, because um, I, I, I did vote and I voted all, all of the above, but if I were to rank the three, I would probably put, um, I'd probably put the players playing poorly uh, as a number one. Uh, number two would be Robbo and his tactics. Number three would be the club and spending. But it's not th- that much off for me, all, all three of them. The the spending part, I would always love them to spend more. But, you know, they are going to spend what they're going to spend. But I think they do have enough talent to be way more competitive in the in the games that they're showing right now. See, see, that's the thing. It's the old argument. Once the players are on the pitch, how much does the manager have responsibility for how they play. Yeah. And you can go back and forth, back and forth on it. We talked the last podcast about whether Robo has a bit of a tactical naivety. He's rigid with his 4-2-3-1, but as was pointed out by Glass City on Twitter, some of the most successful teams in MLS play 4-2-3-1. Is it then that the right personnel is not in the right positions? And if that's the case, do you blame Robbo for not bringing in the right personnel? Was he handcuffed and he couldn't get the personnel that he really wanted because the front office wouldn't give them money? And nobody is is going to give you an answer on that. that. That's the big, big problem. But Robbo, I do feel he's a little bit too loyal to some players. He needed to send a message to some of them. And he sent a message, obviously, to Kikuta Mani. Yeah. But just some of his tactics, they need to... They need to have the team playing on the front foot, especially at home. Counter-attacking football is great away from home, but you cannot be playing that at home. And the long hoof ball over the top 
Oh, the, yeah, that's just you can do it once in a while to you know soften up the the you know the opposition, but you can't do it the whole game because it's not it's just not going to work, especially with uh, TFC playing three at the back. Uh, they were playing three center backs, though, and uh, with Freddie Montero basically be the only person up there. There were a couple of times where he had, was waving people forward uh, when when the attack was going on. Nobody was joining him in the in, in the attack. And if you uh, if you go back to the TFC goal, a uh, player like Vasquez, he was essentially um, playing an attacking uh, role, but in the midfield. But he was right in the six yard area when that those crosses were coming in, and he was able to get his head to it. So, but you never see that from a Vancouver player. So that's something that they need to fix. A, a tweet that we got from Ronald T. Allen, that Ronald T. Allen on Twitter, says the team lacks discipline, the discipline to shut up, keep their shape, defend, to work together. They're an effing mess. I have to agree with that. Yeah. It's hard to agree with that. It's, it's, it is early in the season. Um, somebody was, somebody, I, I can't remember who it was. I saw it earlier today. Somebody tweeted out that they're basically on uh, uh, what, uh, Portland did it a couple of years ago when they won the cup. They're basically on that pace right now of losing games uh, at home. Uh, coach being rumblings about getting fired and uh, the not the right players being there. So they're they all they have to do, like he said, that they have to barely make the playoffs and win the cup. But that's the only two things left in there. Yeah, it's, it's Seattle as well last season, and that's the thing that's going to really piss me off. It's like everyone. It's going to be a slow start. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's a slow start already. I mean, you look at the games coming up in MLS, LA at home, RSL away, Seattle at home. We've got not... the second leg of the semifinal too in, at yeah. home in the middle of there. Four really tough games, three MLS ones. You're looking at the MLS ones, Salt Lake, where we haven't got a great record, two home games against two of the top teams, even though LA's not maybe in the best of form yet, as, yeah. as usual to start the season. I'm sure they'll get into it by the time we, we play them. Yeah, well, yeah. I want to spend some money later on as well. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's, it's tough. It's You're looking towards the end of April and there's not a lot of points coming forward and you have to ask the question, is Robo safe? Is the pressure going to mount on him from the fans to to put his job in jeopardy. He's just signed a new four-year extension. But how many of those were options? It's probably going to be a two-and-two, you would think. It could be one and then three different options Three different. (laughs) But let's say we get to the end of April and there's still no wins, which is very realistic. Do you point the finger at Robo and say, look, we need a change now? They fired Tater Torterson in May. Well, that had different circumstances. Yeah. There was somebody ready to take over. True, and I'm pretty sure. They to take to, over, in I'm fact. pretty sure if they wanted to find someone to take over, though, they would be putting things out there ahead of time. Yeah, they'd, they'd so, be so rumbling. Time, yeah, so many times in MLS, a coach gets fired, and then the next day someone's appointed. So they've obviously got something in the works. Yeah, but I mean, the the fans are starting to turn on Robbo. Yeah. Do you well? A, do you think it's justified? And B, do you, do you think his job could be under threat? I think based on the way they're they're playing, it is justified because you have to blame the coach on that circumstance. But I don't think he's going to get fired because that's based on uh, uh, the the ability of the organization, the the Whitecaps organization, to want to pay a coach to sit at home. I don't see that happening. Um, I, I think they're going to ride it out. They might fire him if they fire him. Maybe they fire him in August or something. When the season's all done and they want we want to bring in somebody uh, to see how they are, maybe uh, try one of the assistants that are with them right now. 
Um, so I, I don't see that happening. One other uh, poll I put out, and this is, I put it out as a joke poll, but it, it's got, it got some votes. Uh, I, I put this out in the 90th minute. Uh, I said, who, who would you like to see get a red card so we don't see them in the next game? Because obviously Brekshay was uh, uh, suspended at that point. Um, 37% said other, uh, which obviously could be all of the above, which some people did t- tweet back as replies. Um, 25% said Kakuta Mane. 23, uh, Kendall Waston, and only 15% Lava, which I was surprised about. Uh, he only got 15. Uh, I, I, and th- there was... A um, couple of write-ins. Yeah, a couple of write-ins. Some people said even Robbo. Uh, I think Jay Duke uh, responded back Robbo. He got quite a few likes on that tweet. Um, so I, I, I think, who, who would you uh, p- uh, put out there? Uh, who was the player that was just dreadful yesterday for you? Oh, just the one. Uh, if you had to pick one. Other well, than Brick I, I was going to say other than Brick Damn, now, now you're making that a, a tough job. Lava wasn't as bad as as he's been in some other games. Yeah. So I'd actually give him the benefit of the doubt. Kendall Waston. An interesting thing. Farhan Devji from the Whitecaps themselves tweeted out that he had a career, I don't know if it's career equaling or a career best 18 clearances in yep. that game. And he said he found that strange because he didn't feel the Caps were under that much pressure. And actually, I, I, I disagree with that. In well, the I first half, I don't the first half, they, the first half, they were crossing the ball quite a bit. TFC from like, both Beatty Shore and Morrow were sending balls quite a bit in the box. But what I was going to say about that is, one of those eighteen clearances is what led to the first goal. Yeah, when he didn't clear it for the second game running sufficiently enough, and it let a cross come into the box that then gets buried for for the opening goal. Yeah, and that one was, I, 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 on that goal too, I put a little blame on one of them holding midfield. I didn't get a chance to review the goal again, but uh, that was, like we said, Victor Vasquez was the one going in. That should have been somebody that, one of the holding guys marked him and seen him running, making a run into the box. They should have been there with him to at least put a little bit of pressure on him. Yeah. And, and the second goal you pointed out at that time, that was Laba that made a heart, half-hearted tackle. And it finally got in the, got to Altador who, who buried it. And if you're looking at like things like discipline, the discipline you could say it, it comes from the coach. Kyle Robinson made a, a kind of off the cuff comment on Friday at training where he was kind of saying, "Oh, it's a derby game. There'll be lots of passion, lots of fights. Well, not fights, but like fighting on skirmishes." Yeah. But like passion and intensity and like fighting for the ball, that kind of those kind of fights is severely and, lacking yeah. at the beginning. Especially yeah. only only uh, that that Bradley incident was the only one where uh, there was any passion showing. But he also said that there'd be lots of mistakes, yeah, from players and from referees because there usually is. So he made that kind of throwaway comment. And a lot of folk were saying, "How are the players going to?" show respect to a referee when the coach is kind of dismissing it like that. Yeah. Your other side of the argument is if no one talks about this... It'll never get fixed. Yeah. No one's going to mention it. And Alan Errington, the former player, former coach, 86ers legend, coached that team for a number of years and I was at University of Fraser Valley. He was having a kind of back and forth with a few of us last night, basically saying, look, you don't criticise the referee... You know what's going to happen. You just get on with the game. And it's for the, the officials, for pro, for disco, for the MLS guys to, to address everything afterwards. I don't agree with that. 
I do fall into the camp that if you don't bring these issues up, then they're never going to get talked about. But at the same time, if Robbo's publicly saying things about referees, does it rub off on the players? Does the the lack of discipline stop at his door because he hasn't clamped down on it properly? No, and and it was also a point of the article for um, Russell Beresford, that squad player. Um, he was mentioning that he saw the incident earlier in the game when um, uh, Robbo was constantly like disputing with the linesman where the throw-in should be. Yeah, and spent a lot of time doing that, and and he made a comment that if he spent as much time uh, teaching the players or telling the players what to do and where to go, that the Vancouver Whitecaps would be a much better position. Which you you have to agree. Like at one point, like you have to pick your uh, shots. Like you have to be able to because that that linesman or that uh, refereeing crew is going to know that that this coach is constantly on our on our butts and about know, the calls we make. And maybe that maybe a red a second yellow card within a, mi- a minute would be easier to give to a team that does that a lot that argues and constantly uh, disputes the calls. And we got a text from Zach who's listened to the show from far far away. Um, and he's basically said that we've got two TAM players as designated players. Yeah. We're not using our designated player slots the way that they should be used, the way that other teams use them. And that this is one of the primary problems, and it, that falls on the shoulders of the football committee. Well, yeah, I'm sure, like we said, the, all three, like you in your poll, all three had equal blame. A lot of people put the equal blame on everybody. Um, so I do agree going into the season, I, I'd like them to bring in some better players, but, uh, especially in the mid central midfield, I, I personally would like them to see two, two set new central midfielders in addition to, uh, Rainer returning in, in the summer. And a couple of tweets from Morbito here at Morbito on Twitter. First one is Robo isn't the biggest problem. It's the front office culture. So continuing that, yeah. that there isn't a collaborative spirit. So what power does the head coach really have there? Yeah, you, you, I, I totally agree with that. There's points there. I'm, yeah, good. And like, as, as long as Greg Kerfoot retains the services of Rachel Lewis, he says, someone who doesn't understand the sport, he has no hope at all that there's going to be any change. And then the final tweet from Morito is, he's played soccer for over 20 years. He's never had a red card, only three yellows. He says the Whitecaps' disciplinary problems have nothing to do with the referees. Well, no, I totally agree with that. The the, the referees are going to be calling the uh, whatever plays they do, but the the discipline needs to come from each player. They need to realize that they they've been a lot of them have been in this league long enough to know what they can get away with and what they can't get away with. Even Alstead's the week before San Jose, Alstead didn't need to charge the way he did, and he and he would if he he knew that if he got any contact on Wondolowski. That was an automatic red. Now, yes, some people say, oh, it's great to avoid the, the goal. But in a way, they avoided the goal, but three went after that. And we were talking about this afterwards. We saw that they they're, all five goals they've allowed so far in MLS play this year have been after receiving a red card. Yeah. So so they basically have a clean sheet when they're playing with 11 and five goals allowed when playing with 10. I mean, you're considering the, the problems that the defense had last year, that... That's a positive. We're saying that we're struggling to find positive. Yeah. That is a positive. The defence has been playing well. The defence has kept clean sheets until they go down a man and then yeah. they find themselves under more pressure. It, Lack been... of goals is obviously a continuing concern. For sure. The, the second poll we ran, this was 
the the one that had the the most votes. Um, 271 votes as it stands just now, and you can find this on the at AFT in Canada Twitter account. What is the main thing that would give an instant fix to the Whitecaps' current woes? So a couple of folk were saying, why did you not put the front office in there? It's because they're not going anywhere. They're not going to resign. Oh, they're going to bind the, buy the club over. That is not an instant fix. If, that, if you're hoping that the front office is going to change, if you're hoping that Greg Carefoot is going to sell to someone else, there's not a mysterious buyer out there. No, and then... There, there's not people that's going to come in as technical directors and stuff. So, like a rich Russian yeah. or something coming in somewhere. We might want that, yeah. but it's not going to happen. Yeah. And also be careful what you want for. You don't want... I mean, you see the mess at clubs like Hull and Cardiff where owners come in and completely destroy it. Yeah. The, but, uh, and, and the th- other thing is, even if if you're expecting them to change their culture, they're not going to. Yeah. They, they're set in their ways and that's the way they're going to run the team. They, they've said they want to build. They've said that they don't want to, to spend a lot of money. They're not going to be a big spending club. And that isn't going to change anytime soon. So from the four options that we gave as to what is the main instant fix to the Whitecaps' current woes, fourth place at 11%. This is really weird. I'm looking at this, and it actually adds up to 101%. An awesome poll by Twitter here. Yeah. So apparently 11%, but let's, let's say 10%. Nothing will help. Very pessimistic fan base we've got out there. New coach, only 20%. So a number of folk aren't blaming Robbo. They feel that the, the instant fix goes above that. And we were saying that people weren't saying that the players were playing poorly that was like in the other Twitter yeah. uh, poll, yeah. Whereas this got thirty percent that they feel new players is going to make the player the, the team an instant fix, but forty percent say new tactics formation. They feel that the players we've got can do the job; they're just not being played properly. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. We we've talked about before that we would like to see different formations, um, maybe a uh, you know four four two. Sometimes you've been a big champion of the three man back. Um, oh, and that's, that's what five two, and, and that's what Toronto. Toronto were played it, and yesterday. they yeah. they were really good playing that. I I, I didn't I didn't even realize when they made that change. I think I guess it was going into this year, but it was a very good change, and especially Moro uh, was really dangerous coming down the left side. And a tweet which Will Parchman at Will Parchman sent out last night. Um, he writes for MLS Soccer. He's known for running Top Drawer Soccer, the the whole youth fantastic website, and he also does some stuff for What a Howler as well. He was talking about RSL, and he said that RSL are verging dangerously on a zero seven four record dating back through to September twenty sixteen, and he thinks that's verging on crisis levels. Then Glass City at Glass City AFC replied to that saying, "What does that make the Whitecaps' record then?" They've, they're 4, 7 and 10 since July 2016 and Mark Daly had looked back to September 2016. The Whitecaps only have two wins in their last 10 MLS matches. Three draws, five losses. So I, I, I kind of pointed out uh, um, and I still, I, I haven't gone back to see how far, like how what the record is. But if you go back almost all the way to uh, the Voyagers Cup win, and I'm I, I wondering if, maybe I'll do that one time. I'll, I'll go back and see what the record is because I feel that's a turning point almost in their winning ways. They've had runs where they won a few games, but they were really good before that Voyagers Cup win and they, they, they completely collapsed uh, that year. Last year obviously wasn't a good year and this year they haven't played well. So I would like, to, they, the winning percentage after that Cup win is probably not very high. 
And one of my favourite tweets from last night, which 43 people liked and 12 people retweeted this. It's from AFTN writer Jay Duke, at J underscore Duke on He's Twitter. very popular on Twitter. Oh, he's massive. Yeah. Finally, we have a striker, they said, as they continue to pump long balls over the top from our own half to a diminutive forward on an island. And no, Montero was by himself. It's 100% yeah, sure of that. Montero must wonder what he's signed up for right now. And I'm pretty sure he didn't sign up for this. So much of it stems, though, from the fact that we don't have a proper number 10. You look at any formation. You look at whatever we're trying to do with these guys. Nicholas Mosquito. So many fans clamour for him. And yes, we did say last week he shouldn't have been taken off against San Jose. Different circumstances. Yeah. We didn't want him taken off because he was a guy that could hold the ball and play defensively, unlike Kakuta Mani. Yeah. Yes, I thought he would start yesterday. I didn't see any problem with that at all. But I don't think that Nicholas Mosquita is a guy that is MLS starting quality on a consistent basis and is going to be the answer to the number 10 woes until Jordi Reina comes back. Yeah, I, I, I think what, what I've seen of him, and it, it seems like whenever he starts, it doesn't go that as well. When he comes off the uh, off the bed, last year, uh, sorry, last week was uh, an exception to that rule against San Jose. But usually when he starts, it doesn't go well. When he comes off the bench, he does provide a spark coming off there. So maybe he's a guy that needs to see the game and how it's uh, how it's playing and probably inject some energy into it. Maybe he's that energy guy off the bench. And I think that's probably what his role will be going forward. Until Reina gets back, obviously. So we were going to play you some audio from the Toronto side post-game. Um, we were going to play Greg Vanny and Michael Bradley. What I'm going to do, I'm going to keep that for the podcast. So if you want to download the podcast, you can get the TFC audio from that. Now, the Vanny audio is different from the Vanny audio from the post-game presser and the the video that's up on TFC's site. This is a separate chat that Steve and Kurt Larson had with Vanny after the game. Did, did you ask Larson about that fake story he put out? No, I didn't have uh, a chance. That, that was disappointing. But yeah, so we're going to play that. That's a, Altogether, it's about seven, eight minutes. So we're going to include that in the podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, we're going to hear that now. thoughts in the game 2-0 win just uh, what, what did you uh, what did you see out there overall yeah I thought it was uh, we had a decent look probably early in the game but aside from that I thought it was a, pretty much a stalemate and the game that was played between the two boxes for uh, the vast majority of say the first 60 70 minutes uh, both teams are they obviously are having a hard time getting uh, real chances from our back line I thought we were yeah, just a little bit stretched out in terms of uh, our forwards were a little bit too far apart. We were they were pressing our center backs with their wingers, and we were just not getting into the right setup spots. And so uh, we just lacked a few you know, some chances, but we kept ourselves tight. We kept it we kept it clean, and, and defensively they were having some difficulty uh, trying to break us down. So again, you're on the road, make it difficult on the opposition, protect your goal, uh, you know, and take the chances when they come. And uh, the circumstances changed on the red card. And it gave us an opportunity as I brought Victor back on and, and Raheem on. It gave us, it gave us uh, an opportunity to change sort of the image of the game. And we got a little bit more attacking and were able to create some chances down the stretch. What, what attracted you to Victor bringing him in? Like, what, what, was, what was sort of the thing you liked about him? 
Yeah, we we uh, you know we had scouted Victor two years ago, and when he was at Bruges, and uh, we're looking at probably making him move as a designated player at that time, and stayed with him. Um, He's just a, he's a very clever player. He finds wonderful gaps around the field. Uh, he's technically super proficient, uh, moves the ball fast. His ideas come quick. He doesn't sit, stand on the ball very long. The ball gets, he gets it, and he sees passes that uh, a lot of guys don't see, and he can get the ball there quickly. And so, um, you know, that's it's something that we needed in our midfield. We've got a lot of guys who can kind of wiggle out of pressure, who can hold guys off, who can spin away. Uh, but to have somebody who can unlock a defense with uh, a one-touch pass or, or a quick look is is just a new dimension to our group. And you know, I thought he came on and added that uh, added that as he added as he came into the game. And uh, ultimately, it was the difference in us, uh, you know, getting a goal there. Uh, a lot of people in Vancouver were talking about Giovinco missing and everything like that. How is it good? How, how good is it for the rest of the guys to get a victory out of this with him? Not, you know, obviously. It's, it's good. It's good to get a result no matter what. But I, I think our team has evolved over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, a lot of people two years ago talked about our team really being a one-man team in a lot of different ways because Sebastian is, you know, arguably, uh, in my opinion, the best player in the, in the league, especially on his best days that can do things nobody else can do. Uh, but our team has come a long way over the course of the two years. We have a lot of good players. Uh, and Josie's scoring goals for fun. And... Uh, we've evolved, and so we've got a, a well-rounded roster. We've got guys we can pull in off the bench. We've added depth. We've got a lot of different uh, looks that we can that we can fall on. So it, it just makes those moments when you know Sebastian can't play every single game all the time when he's not around that the team is can still function well as a team. And so again, uh, it's it's never great to not have him, but uh, we're a capable team without him. Uh, it's obviously, the red card changes a lot in that game. Um, what, what's your understanding of just? New rules regarding uh, descent and perhaps telling referees to cough and, and, and whatnot. What's your uh, take on that? Uh, my take is that it's uh, not advisable. It's something that that they're uh, right. It's something that they're locking down on any sort of demonstrative uh, run at the referee or showing up of the referee. Plus, if you use, I would think any language that is of a personal nature and uh, derogatory, you, you put your, just put yourself in. in uh, position to potentially get get a yellow card or, or in this case it was a second yellow card so it even made less sense but um, yeah my, my I, we all get emotional in the games but I think uh, between my you know us as coaches and the players we just we have to be smart winning the game and getting the result is a lot more important than saying our piece in a moment we just have to be uh, you know we all have to be aware of that you see some frustrations boiling, boiling over from them at the end there's a few uh, lava after the play on uh, Bradley and I think there was a pretty hard tackle on on Justin, Justin that was uh, pretty late. Uh, what, did, what did you make of that? Just just a rivalry or some? Uh, yeah, I mean, upset? I think it's uh, you know in the moments it's just it could be frustration. I don't I don't know what's going on sometimes in between the lines and if guys are talking to each other and and if there's anything you know that I'm not unaware of going on between the lines. But for sure, when when it's two uh, zero and the other team's knocking the ball around and you're down a man, it can be frustrating. And uh, you know maybe at that moment. Uh, you know, somebody took some liberties with uh, with some challenges. Um, yeah, just gotta we gotta make sure again that we're smart and we don't get caught up in anything, and we keep everybody uh, card free and uh, into the next match. Because you know, by that time, I thought that one was pretty much uh, locked down, and we just need to be thinking a little bit more ahead. Seems like things are a little bit chippy towards the end. Is that just the frustration on their part, or just the rivalry growing? Or yeah, man. Yeah. 
you know, you have you have a team that's winning 2-0 and, and another team that's frustrated with how things go, with how things have gone and it's football. The team has like opened up uh, on the road in the last few years. Is the team? Is, are you guys getting used to that? And is it good to get some points uh, start the season and then before you even open at home? I think it's an advantage. Um, I really do. You know, I, I think games at the beginning of the year are are never easy. Um, you know, obviously we all know it's a league where not much separates uh, separates it separates the teams, and especially at the beginning of the year, games are tight and um, you know conditions are tough and and it's. Uh, They're not always perfect days to play, and so in some ways, to start the to start the year with some road games where you can, um, you know, really solidify your mentality and what you're going to be about uh, on the road. It's it's a good thing, and obviously, if you can put uh, if you can put some points on the board and 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 now come home uh, ahead of ahead of the game a little bit, um, then then you put yourself in a good spot. And I think uh, I think we've done that. You know, it's it's three games where. Very, very, very cognizant of the fact that it's uh, it's a long season. Um, we've we've not even come close to to scratching the surface in terms of what what we can be about. Um, you know, I, I think today was <clears throat> was was our best performance. Um, but again, I think we we still have uh, we still have a, a a bunch of levels to go before we uh, were anywhere close to our best. Sorry if I missed it, but what happened between uh, you and Matthias? Did you uh, just take issue with something late? And- yeah. Did you ask for an apology? No, I, I couldn't care less about an apology. Um, you know, you have one team that's winning 2-0, another team that's that's frustrated with how things have gone. Um, you know, he runs around the entire game and, and gets a piece of gets a piece of a lot of guys. And look, I'm, uh, that's part of the game. There's no issue, but it's also part of the game that when. Uh, when there's two minutes to go and your team's winning two zero, if you're if you've got a guy on the other team who's still running around doing that, that uh, you're not just gonna let it go so easy. So that's football. And- You're listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, one hundred one point nine FM. Broadcasting from the University of British Columbia. So, for those on the podcast, you'll have heard Greg Vania and Michael Bradley talking there. They, they talked about a number of things. In particular, they, they talked about Vasquez. Yeah. They talked about discipline and stuff as well, but I think we've, we've covered enough about discipline. But Victor Vasquez, here's a guy that, that Greg Vani has been trailing for two years. Scouting, yeah. Had a chance to bring him in as a DP two years ago. Didn't. That was when he was with, with Bruges. And, and I think they brought in that. That was the year they brought in Giovinco, um, Bradley, and Eltador in the same year. And he looks like he's a difference maker. Va- Vanny basically said so for, for the vote that haven't, that are listening to the radio show, he was basically said that he, he finds gaps around the field that he is technically proficient, he moves the ball fast, that his ideas come quick, and that he sees passes that a lot of guys don't see, and then he can get the ball quickly, which is something that was lacking from their midfield. He said that to have someone that can basically unlock a defence with a one-touch pass or a quick look is a new dimension for their group. Yeah. 
That's something we need. That's something we had with Pedro Morales in year one. Uh, year one, yes. Yeah. I'm glad you said year one. <laughs> <laughs> and we've never had it since. No. And that is something that is severely lacking in the midfield. And yet you heard me asking Robo at the start there about bringing new players in. Yeah. Because we, we talked midweek about whether Kikuta Mani was in, on the trading block. We also talked that I thought Spencer Ritchie was starting. So we were right about that. Yeah. Are we right about Kikuta Mani being traded? Didn't start yesterday. Message being sent. They need a creative midfielder. They need an Atiba Hutchison kind of central midfielder. If he's a coming in the summer, c- can they wait to the summer to get that box-to-box guy and still keep in the mix? Ultimately, though, they they need a create. They need some creativity in that midfield because there was nothing yesterday. Yeah, if 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 Bolanius gets healthy enough, they might be able to ride uh, wait a little bit on that. If if they feel like he's totally okay from his injury and he gets fit from like uh, Robles had the the international away uh, uh, dates, um, he comes back with good fitness and everything. They could ride it a little bit longer. But I still think that they need a minimum at least one central midfielder, somebody to make a difference, somebody that can push the ball forward from the you know the the defensive areas. Yeah, it's they've got two weeks basically to the next game. They they need to kind of really get something sorted, and a, a lot of folk will talk that the White Cats have never been the same since Gershon Kofi left. Yeah. It, he was kind of box to box, but he just wasn't consistent enough. No, he didn't. He, he wasn't as technical uh, as you wanted to be in a box to box guy. He would lose the ball a lot, and it'd be kind of scrambly. But he did sh- have that a little bit, and he was physical enough that he wouldn't get pushed off the ball. And he could, and he could make those, uh, he could make those stops in the midfield before it got to the back four. And another player who folk regularly say the Whitecaps have never been the same since they let him go was right back Stephen Batesure. Yeah. And we all know the Whitecaps right back woes last year. I don't think that's our big, big problem this year. Shannon Williams, Jake Nerwinski, two very serviceable players. But a lot of folk do say that the Whitecaps have lost the ability to win since they lost a veteran like Stephen Betashure. And Steve, you got a chance to, to catch up with Beta yesterday. Uh, we're going to play that for you now. Just a, a quick three-minute chat from after the game. And, yeah, just talking about what life is like in Toronto. Steve, uh, obviously a good game for the guys uh, today. Um, you guys started uh, three games on the road. Uh, obviously, this is your second time doing that. Um, how is it? Are you kind of getting used to it? Is it almost like a positive for you guys to start in a row, kind of gel together, and then get the home game eventually under your wings? Yeah, I think so. You know, anytime you can get results on the road, it's a good thing. Um, you know, at the same time you're on the road, you're you're spending more time together. I think that's also a positive we take out of it. And our main focus is being tough to play against and getting clean sheets. And that's what we've done so far, two out of the three games, you know, we've gotten clean sheets. So um, we want to keep that going and uh, keep the, hopefully, the same mentality going home. But once we're in front of our crowd, we can kind of push forward and uh, get some more goals. Yeah, it's but, like almost like an extended preseason. Yeah. You don't have to worry about entertaining your fans exactly. at home, right? Exactly. And, yeah. Anytime you're at home, you want to make sure, you know, you, you put your best foot forward and you entertain them and you get good results. On the road, it's different. You know, you just you just want to keep it clean in the back and, and get a clean sheet. And uh, we were able to do that two out of three games. Your second, obviously starting your second year, is it getting more comfortable to Toronto? Uh, man, yeah, yeah. I think the first year it's more of a transition, just because you're trying to find a place to live. You know, you're you're 
getting comfortable with the guys and new friends uh, in Toronto. So uh, it's always a transition that first year. But the second year, once you're already settled in your place, you don't have to worry about moving and all that. The little details, it's a lot easier. And then you and then you have your other friends um, over there from the previous year, which is nice. A lot of lot of people coming into this game were talking about Giovinco missing, Sebastian Giovinco missing. Um, is it? It's, I know you guys want to shed that moniker of a one-man team. Is this is a result like this? You know, uh, for, not for you guys, but for everybody else to not assume that you guys are a one-man team. Is it good yeah, for you guys? I, mean, I think everybody knows he's a hell of a player. Yeah. There's no hiding it. You know, he's a MVP for a reason of the league. Uh, but at the same time, there's ten other players on the field that uh, have to contribute and do their part. And Anytime someone has a chance to come in and fill in, they, they do uh, an admirable job. Toss did a great job. He's a great player. He works hard. So, um, you know, if, if one player, two players, three players are missing, guys have to step up, and that's the, the beauty of having a deep team like we do. The, you guys came very close last year to winning the Cup. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel like you have all the pieces? This year? Obviously, you have a lot of stuff to work yeah. on, but do you feel like you have all the pieces that can make you make another run at it? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought we had all the pieces last year, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it's just an unfortunate game. Uh, I'm sure you watched it. And yeah. I don't think there's one person that will say we didn't deserve to win that game. But unfortunately, the soccer gods weren't with us on that day, and yeah. uh, we didn't win. But uh, we still have all the pieces. Only one player uh, has moved on, and uh, we just have to make sure that hunger is still there to, to get back because we have you know, all but one piece still there. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. That was Stephen Betashur talking to Steve there after yesterday's game. Yeah, I miss talking to him. He was he was always a great interview. He always opened up and was very honest, even when he was with Vancouver. He was really pleased to see us as well. It was, yeah. was kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think you'd remember who we were. When, whenever we, uh, whenever, uh, the thing is, is you want to see the Whitecaps win, but because I usually go into the visitor's dressing room, it's always more pleasant when the when the opposition team wins. It's, it's easier to talk to the coach. You don't have to worry about anything upsetting them by asking the questions. Um, it, it's it's a really fun time for yeah. me, at least yeah. for that with a little bit after the game. Well, it's certainly not a fun time for Whitecaps fans. Well, oh, we'll get definitely. to some more some more tweets here. Um, we, we could we could actually done a whole show on the yeah. tweets, the amount of tweets that were out there. I, I'm I'm really sorry for the people that we we can't get around to your tweets. It's just gone absolutely nuts. I mean, even from sitting down and saying to tweet us, we had 17 folk tweeting at us. So. Yeah. One here from Aiden Rantoul who says a lot of first time Whitecap supporters or long silent supporters seem to be speaking up over the last 24 hours. Yeah, I I do agree with that. Um, I, we were talking about that the the there was a lot of booing going after the game. I was wondering what percentage yeah. of that is against the refs and what's against the actual players and team. It was like part part booing though, but a lot of indifference. Yeah, and I, for me, that's the more terrifying thing. Yeah, because I think a lot of fans are still getting used to coming to uh, the the football matches. I don't think they're. Well, I hate one o'clock kickoff. Yeah, for starters, I don't actually mind it. We get to home, get to get home really early. Yeah, at least I got to see a VMSL game, as there I said, which was much more entertaining. But. I mean, lots of folk are complaining about the front office. If you want to make your point, there's two really good ways of doing it. Well, there's a few ways. You can also write to them or call them. I have heard Bobby Leonard Doozy gets on the phone to people and does discuss things as well. So I, I will definitely tip my hat to that. The Whitecaps are good at responding to stuff. But if you want to get your message heard, 
There's no point going online. The, the Facebook, White Cat's Facebook page last night was a very dark place. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> I briefly went into it and I was like, yeah, I'm coming I'm out always, here. I'm always concerned with the, um, not concerned, but I'm always like interested to see uh, when the, like Farhan, when he has to tweet something out positive, like his Kendall Waston uh, tweet. Yeah. Well, how many, what replies did he get for that? Or or like other things that well, he has again, to. again, though, a they lot have of to, indifference. They, they have to be positive because that's what they're trying to sell the team to people that maybe were under a rock and didn't know that the team was 0-2-1. But if you want to make your point to the front office, the ways of doing that is financially, so you either don't get season tickets, stop buying merchandise, don't get single tickets, hmm. just don't turn up to the game. That sends a message. But the other way of doing it, which folk in Canada seem really loath to do, is to boo yeah. at the game, to make your to, to make your voice heard at the game, to make your displeasure heard, whether it's at Robble, whether it's at the players, whether it's at the front office. The only way to get your voice heard is to show it at a game, because doing it online doesn't do anything. Yeah, and 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 there and there was no booing in the first half when the game was horrible. I you did hear a few um, like murmurs, not not a full out like you know the whole uh, all BC plays doing it at once. But whenever there would be a back pass, if there was a chance, it looked like there was a breakout, and the team would like slow it down and hold on to it. The team, the the fans would get uncomfortable. You can hear, you can sense the uncomfortability around around the stadium. When they would, even if they were push the ball through and nothing would happen, they would get cheer. There'd actually be a cheer. I don't know if it was a sarcastic cheer or they actually meant it, but uh, yeah, you would hear that. Um, another thing you could do, and um, I was watching uh, uh, one of the shows that talk about English soccer because there are a lot of people complaining about Arsenal um, not uh, being uh, underachievers, and they were saying like, uh, if you, if you don't want to miss the game, come ten minutes late. And show your displeasure that way. Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, Vancouver could do that, Vancouver fans, but usually they come late yeah, anyway. No, so no, I don't no, know how much no, of an effect that would be. But the thing is as well, though, it's like you're not hitting them in the pocket that way because no. you're still paying to, to come. And as I've discussed before, back in Scotland at East 5, we boycotted a whole season. Yeah. And it really hurt us because we didn't get to watch our team at home. We went to away games. Yeah. But we didn't go at home and we hit them in the pocket. It's, and easier, for, it's easier in Scotland yeah, to do that. But we, we did get a regime change eventually, but it's because the numbers had dwindled to under 200. The thing is, is the most the people who come for single game tickets, I think come for the atmosphere and because it's an event, it's a game. I think the people who actually are more invested are people that buy season tickets. And by then, you, you can't do anything about it once you pay up for the season ticket. Yeah. And th- there are a number of people out there that are longtime season ticket holders that have canceled their tickets over the f- last few years. Yeah, I've been surprised, so it, it, actually. Yeah, and when you when I hear the names, uh, obviously yeah. people on the radio, people who listen probably won't know these people, but you are surprised when you hear, okay, th- this guy's not coming anymore to game. He'll come to a game here and there, but he's not buying season tickets anymore. Yeah, I mean, people that I, I go and I meet at VMSL games, SFU games, they've been like, oh, yeah, I didn't get a season ticket this year. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. A couple of other quick tweets. Chris Jarvie, at Jarvie Chris, said, quality aside, the passion, intensity, commitment and energy shown in today's Liverpool-Man City game was sorely missing in MLS, and it can't stay that way. You, you can't compare English Premiership, though, to MLS, but there was yesterday... From a white looking at it from a white cat's point of view, I thought it was a terrible atmosphere off the pitch. 
Oh. Admittedly, they were not getting given much on it. Well, that's what I mean. Whenever they would push the ball forward a little bit, there was a cheer. Yeah, well, so I, they were I, desperate to cheer for the game. I, at one point yesterday, I think it was after the second goal went in, um, Zach shouted something through the megaphone from Curver, and there was such a deathly silence that you yeah. kind of heard what it said, which yeah. was "Get Spencer a hat." Oh, really? Okay. Um, but the fact that you can hear that in a twenty thousand crowd. I don't even know if he had a megaphone. I think he might have just been yelling. He doesn't have a very loud voice. Yeah. Apart from when we're doing this, where he's really soft and we have to keep amping him up. Yeah. Um, Greg Baxter said, what happened to the group that dominated San Jose for 20 minutes? I mean, that, that performance against San Jose, three games, but it's like best of the season. But that was that was a great performance no, for those 20 minutes. And that was the fringe guys yeah. who were clearly hungry to make a point. Yeah. And... For all that we ride Hurtado and we talked about his miss, what kind of message have you sent Hurtado? He got a goal, he got an assist against San Jose. He had to sit out midweek and he sat out. Yeah. 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 And again, that comes down to, to Robbo's player management. It's, maybe, it's maybe, they sh- maybe they should have done a four-four-two at that point and, and make him uh, the second striker to go with Montero. I'll put Montero in the well, ten, number I th- 10. I thought he would start because Montero yeah. can't go a full 90. Yeah. So I thought there's no way he's going to start after having started in Tigris. I thought, what, what I really thought was going to happen is the Whitecaps would play KG for the first hour, which they did. Yeah. And then they would bring on the big guns of Montero, Breck Shea. I'm classing him as a big gun. He likes his big guns. Mm. Um, lots of photos to, to, to prove that. But I thought that's what he would do. He would like start guys like Cartado and then bring them on. No, I I, I don't have a problem with the, the starting lineup. Like we talked about before, we expected that starting lineup. Um, but I thought that they would there would be a, a different uh, tweaks to it. I agree with you there. Um, some more tweets from at Murray D. Lynn. He'd like to see electroshock therapy for any backline player that launches the ball forward unnecessarily and waterboarding for any midfield fullback who kills an attacking move with an unnecessary back pass. Drastic Extreme measures. situation, yeah. Hey, but... My work. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in a drastic time. I'm just laughing because Steve's trying to have a drink out of a water bottle that I brought him that's got no water in it. I forgot to tell you, so I emptied desperate. the water. <laughs> it's, it's really hot in the studio. It's my it's, first time here. It's, it's absolutely roasting. Um, just a couple more tweets and then we'll get to wavelength. Uh, El Canico says, if we're talking about our poll and it's like an immediate fix, he says new tactics formation and players needed to make it work. A new number eight, a new number nine, a new number 10. Medium term, a new front office and long term, new owners. Now we're talking about Montero. Paul Harder at Harder Blog said, a lone striker doesn't work. No matter how talented, how many touches for Montero to date, very few really. And the best chance was, as we said, Freddie blocking that keeper's kick. Uh, got one tweet here from uh, Royal86er, at Royal86er. I thought it was a pr- pretty funny tweet and pretty pretty poignant. Uh, a double shield means uh, seems to mean no sword, apparently. And I, I love this tweet from at our Baldry. He says, Robo obviously fancies having a tall forward as a tool in his box. Sadly, Shea takes this role too literally. So, I mean, that was that's a, a good one. So we'll get back to some tweets in a sec. For now, though, it's time for our wavelength section of the show where we play a football-related tune. Obviously, last week we had our whole wavelength section. Tonight, we're going back to 1995. 
Half Man, Half Biscuit, returning to the show. Favourites of mine, favourites of uh, a lot of people. I'm surprised you didn't have any songs left after last week. Yeah, I had... Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on whether you love or hate the section, and we've had a lot of feedback both ways. Um, yeah, I've tons of songs left. So we're going to have Half Man, Half Biscuit from 1995 from their album Some Call It God Core. And I think this is a very fitting song for the lyrics, considering the Whitecaps aren't selling out their games, considering they're not playing very well. Just listen to the lyrics of this. This is Friday Night and the Gates Are Low. Converted back into a loft The neighbours came around and scoffed And called me retro But they are the type Who never used to go to the match Until the family think I'm big In the late 80s That's a steward in the stand Brace of comms in his hand A rendered pointless Stick a burger in my mouth Shove a seat beneath my arse Buy the sheds and the shops and socks With the keepers' sweaty jocks Point a gun down at your foot Am I supposed to be at home? Half Man, Half Biscuit there and Friday Nights and the Gates Are Low from their 2005 album, Some Call It Godcore. Was it 1995? I can't remember what 95, it said. 95, you said, initially. 
It might be 2005. It kind of ended abruptly there. Caught us off guard. Yeah, we're just chatting away about what we're going to do in next week's show. That's how professional we are. Of course, next week there's no Whitecaps game. Whitecaps 2 season gets underway on Saturday against LA. I do think it's going to be a long season for Whitecaps 2 as well. A lot of young players being on that team, yeah. And I'm going to finish, or maybe going to finish, because we've got some more tweets and emails coming in. Emails? Yeah, texts, I think. I, mean. okay. I don't know. Um, we're we're kind of just, we've already overran by about 10, 15 minutes. So, hey, let's just keep going. Let's just go all night. Yeah. I, I'm all for that. Sure. I yeah. have to be work at five in the morning. I'll be okay. Yeah, I, I have to be at nine. I'm fine. As long as we're done by eight o'clock, because that's when Breakfast with the Browns will be on. Oh, don't want to miss that. Um, so, is that like Breakfast with your family? No. No, okay. Uh, we've got a couple of tweets here from Nick Hendrickson at Red Army Nick. He says, in answer to our poll question about um, what's responsible for the Whitecaps' poor start to the season, we're going to have a positive tweet. We were talking earlier about could we find some positives and, um, and some positives fans. So he's one of them. He says, none of the above. Tight schedule, primarily and poor luck. OMS goals coming after being a man down isn't Robbo's fault, and I do agree with that. Yeah. Because you have to rely on the players when they're on the pitch to do their job and not be stupid and get sent off. Also, you can't blame the front office for getting Montero, Shea and Williams. Not exactly a lack of spending, just smart. And, yeah. My my only issue with that is the... the, the, the Montero, Breck Shea and Matias Laba are the three DPs right now. Personally, for me... Uh, Talent-wise, only one of them is DP-worthy, and that's Montero. Uh, Lava, I think he's more of like a TAM player where you want to pay it down, and Brecce is not DP-worthy for me. So uh, in in that sense, I do think that it'd be better off if they had two better players in those positions. And we have got a message asking us to go all night. Okay. Okay, so let's just keep going. Um, (laughs) We could talk about other things. I, I could... Wrestling? Yeah, if anyone wants us to talk about Ring of Honor, um, WrestleMania coming up as well. Hey, we could do a wrestle, wrestling show next weekend. Sure. Yeah. See, preview, let us know. Preview WrestleMania for everyone. If you want that, just let us Hashtag know. Hashtag wrestling, yes. <laughs> Hashtag, Hashtag wrestling, no. no. Hashtag you're sad. I don't know. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things just coming in here. Chris Harrop GK on Twitter, Chris Harrop, says that the team team, fan, whoever, but mainly the team is losing faith in our young Canadians. Froze is gone. McKendry and Bustos aren't playing. Ali Kugby's in England. Of course, Bustos is now in Scotland. He's away to play for the national team against my Scottish guys. Yeah, um, well, a couple of things. Froze, uh, it's more like he wanted to get uh, to go uh, over to Europe. I think he pushed that uh, forward. Um, Ali Kugby, that's alone. They, they wanted to see, get him more playing time. Uh, they didn't think he was going to... He's not going to want to come back, though. He might not want to, exactly, like, at this point. Um, Bustos, I do agree with. And McKendry played last week against San Jose. And he I got thought some, he did well. He got some decent reviews, I yeah. thought, yeah. And uh, I remember not last se- offseason, the se- offseason before, um, uh, Robbo actually compared him to Will Johnson at a younger, like, a, at, at the, that age. And thought that he can, in a couple, two, three years, he could be the player that they need. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan uh, of McKendry, yeah. and I thought he did well last week. I thought he deserved to be playing way before last week to make his, his debut, but injuries and things kind of got in the way. Yeah, 
I he offered more last week than what we've seen from any of our DMs like Tybert and Jacobson, and that he he likes to get forward even with the ten men. Part of that twenty-two possession was McKendry going forward in the second half because he took the ball forward a few times. Yeah, and we don't have the, these guys that can do that. If we bring in a Tiba Hutchison, Robo always makes a big deal about not blocking young players' pathways. But you bring in a Hutchison and you're blocking someone like McKendry. You're blocking him, but also there's a, that's a player that McKendry would his style fits, and he could learn a lot from him. And I think right now he's not going to learn anything from playing behind Tiber Laba or uh, Jacobson. And uh, Zach, who was the person that told us to go all night, has now said... We Zach cannot, Weisenheimer? Yep. We cannot go all night if we're going to talk about wrestling. So he says no now. We've not to, we've not to continue. He might be the only person still listening to this. Who, who knows? A couple of final tweets and then we'll wrap this up. I, I'm going to put you in the spot. I'm going to do our new section. Okay. Um, and you don't know what this new section is. So we'll do it together. Okay. What, what we're this going, will be a team effort this yeah, time. What we're going to do, uh, our new writer, uh, Anna Namshirin, we're going to possibly get her involved in this part of the, of the show. She doesn't know this either. I'm just springing this on her live on air. She if is, she's listening. She'll be or like, they're meant to be listening, right, if they were working. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, basically, if they write for AFTN and they're not listening live, it's like they, they do get this electroshock treatment that oh, we were okay. talking about earlier. That's why Zach's having to listen in, in the middle of, of nowhere. We're going to do a section um, called Reasons to be Cheerful slash Miserable where we're going to come up with three reasons to be cheerful, three reasons to be miserable about the Whitecaps right now. And it could be about the game that's just been played. But I think what we'll do for this first section, because Anna has created this optimist's union. Okay. So she wants to try and look on the bright side of things. So I thought because of that, she's the ideal person for this. Because I'm a miserable git. As folk that know me will aptly testify. I don't think you need to know you in order to know that. Yeah, that's true. I, I, get, I do get a lot of abuse on Twitter from a girl called Christina. Um, for being miserable. As long as it's on Twitter. Yeah. I am miserable. You can just ask my wife about that. But basically, we're going to, for this for this first section, springing this on, we're going to think of three reasons to be cheerful about the white caps as of right now. And then we will come up with three reasons to be miserable about the white caps just now. And I've got to be honest, the whole reason that I am doing this is basically just so I can play this intro. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. One, two, three. Ian Jury there with Reasons to be Cheerful Part Three. And I was listening to his greatest hits, and this is what gave me the idea for this section. So let's finish the show on a positive. We've been a bit doom and gloom. Let's see if we can use our combined brains to come up with three reasons to be cheerful about the Whitecaps right now. Okay, number I, I, one I'll put out there is um, the back line, although not positive going forward, have been very solid uh, defending. Like we said earlier, all five goals allowed have been when they were a man down. And, uh, you know, Harvey, uh, he got... Uh, Williams on the as the fullbacks, they've been very solid compared to last year. Um, save a couple of mistakes here and there when they're down 10, like we said. And I think Waston has been solid, and we, whether he's playing with Parker or Dean. That, that's a good one. So we've got one reason to be cheerful. Second reason to be cheerful, we're only three games into the season. It's a long way to go. 
We've got players like Christian Bolanius coming back. Once he comes back, it's going to be a different looking team. Um, we're going to have Jordi Reina back in the summer. Robo does sound like he is wanting to make some moves before the transfer window closes. So I think we are going to see some guys shipped out. And he has to ship guys out to bring them in. There's just not any salary cap, I don't think, to be able to do that. So I think having someone like Bola back and possibly new additions, that's something to look forward to. And we are just a couple of games into the season. So we haven't fallen too far behind. We're only three points off the playoff spots. That's not bad. With the 31 games to go? Yeah. yeah. I could take that as our third reason to be cheerful. Yeah. Three points off the playoff spots. Uh, I'll add another honourable mention. Um, uh, they, 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 now, I didn't do any kind of research in this, but uh, they, might have, they might have achieved a milestone where they might have been the first MLS team to lose three games in a week in three different countries. And they've talked a lot about making history this year. So yes. there we go. They, That's a mile, that could be a milestone, MLS milestone. Yeah. And also talking about making history, Tigris game's coming up. That's going to be a, a great occasion as long as Tigris don't score in the first minute. Um, so there, we, we got three reasons to be cheerful. So now, again, part of this segment is just so that I could play some good songs. So now we've got three reasons to be miserable. Half man, half biscuit again there. Featuring twice in the show tonight. I mean, that's superb with reasons to be miserable. They're hitting it big now. Yeah, I, I'm trying to get more folk into half man, half biscuit over here. Lots of great songs. All I want for Christmas is a Duke La Praga away kit. Okay. One of their favourite. We haven't done that in our wavelength section yet because that's too obvious a one. I'll keep that for when I do run out of tunes. Yeah, you're spoiling right now. You're, oh, you, I know. you can't tease too much like that. So, reasons to be miserable, Steve. I think that we talked about it before, midfield creativity, lack thereof. Um, it's just the the three of them, whoever, so except for Bolognese. Although Bolognese, when he came on, he came as a winger. He didn't really play in the midfield too much. He was slide in and out. Yeah, Bolognese, to me, isn't a number 10. Anyway. Yeah, he he's not a number out, 10. He should but, be out wide. But the personnel they have right now has basically zero... Um, gives me zero confidence in anything going forward. It seems like the only way they can do anything is out wide. And uh, if you keep doing that and you have no, no options through the middle, they're eventually going to shut you down out wide. And that's what they kind of did with the three five two yesterday. For me, a reason to be miserable is basically our shots on target. Just not happening. I mean, we, we rattled through it earlier in the show. To have two home games where you've got one shot on target in each game, that's just depressing. And uh, uh, lack of discipline. It's yeah. basically right now, um, uh, I remember when Robbo said a red card out of nowhere, it just gave me the idea that this could be a wrestling theme. Uh, see, Zach's, yep. not, Zach's tuning out right now, um, where they say red RKO out of nowhere, and it could be red card out of nowhere. I, I, do, I like that. It's yeah. like we're, we're going to get some memes going out. It's like a red card out of nowhere. Yeah. And sadly, the Whitecaps are getting red cards out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and there was a stat. Somebody gets tweeted out. I, I should uh, save these tweets <laughs> to, to, to give credit for them. <laughs> But people were tweeting out that um, the number of red cards that the Caps get like over the uh, number of certain games is like 12 more than any other team. And that the discipline is a big issue with this team. I don't know what they can do to fix it. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know a solution no. for that. It seems yeah, like you would get different players. You would well. get the idea eventually. I don't know if there's something in the water in Vancouver. We've had riots, obviously. 
Um, so maybe there's something in the water in Vancouver that the, uh, these red cards keep happening. And just Zach, dearly departed Zach, sent us a text to say that his three reasons to be cheerful, because we'll, we'll end the show on a happy note, is the CCL semis, Alfonso uh, Davies, yeah. and yeah, it's early days. And he appreciates all of it. Yeah. And just before we wrap up, I know I've kind of been saying that for about 20 minutes now, just before we wrap up, we've got a tweet from at Dan Mathias wanting to know if there's any TSS Rovers news. Well, yes, there is. They're going to be able to officially start announcing players this week. They they do have players signed. As people may or may not know, AFTN is the media partner of TSS Rovers this year for their first PDL season. I'm going to be doing the colour commentary uh, but for the, the season ahead and really looking forward to it it's going to be a great season Juan de Fuca plates up for grabs again there's a reason to be cheerful but yeah they're going to be announcing players this week They with the PDL registration system they just can't announce um, guys until school, I think time. school lets out or something like that so, yeah so yeah. they've got a number of guys done they've got the open tryouts there's been two so far the final one's tomorrow on Monday some really good guys seem to have turned up for that so that they're very very hopeful we're going to have a number of pieces on AFTN in the seven weeks up to the start of the season. And it's, yeah, lots of great stuff to do. We're going to talk about the players. We're going to get you to know the team, just everything about them. So there's some really good reasons to be cheerful. But anyway, that is it for this episode of the show. We've gone to 12.30. That was not the plan. Yeah. Steve, just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat and also speeding on the highway back home to get to sleep before I have to go to work tomorrow at Yeah, five. I'm really sorry. I completely forgot you were working early <laughs> tomorrow. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff, AFTN.C, away from the numbers. Most of the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and the Western Conference reporter for USLsoccer.com. But anyway, thank you for listening. If you're still with us on the live radio show, really, really appreciate you listening to Half Past Midnight. Yeah, go to sleep, people. Yeah. Don't stay up for this. And yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.